Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts season two of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and we are going to sit still for this episode of Stuff You Should Know. Not me, buddy. Yes, you are. I'm going to do some Kong vaulting. Hey, um, Chuck, you watch The Office, right? Yeah. Okay. Love it. Um, in season six, which I guess was last year. Okay. Second episode. Yeah. Starts out very funny <laughs> um, with uh, Michael. Andy and Dwight all engaged in a little something called parkour. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they shout parkour like every couple of seconds, of right? Of course they do. And then um, what struck me as funny, especially after we decided to do this um, episode, mm-hmm. is that Jim explains what parkour is for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah. And he, he cites it as the internet sensation of 2004. So it took, you know, Michael... Right. Six years to finally catch on to it. What's up? Taking us seven to finally start podcasting on it. Yes. Yeah. We've been had calls for this one uh, for since we started the show. People have written in and said, what about parkour, dude? Yeah. I love it. Parkour. And it, we know it's old. Yeah. So we're not, but we, we've not just discovered this. It's in th- this article clearly has been on the site since about 2006 or seven. Yeah, because there's actually a date cited in it um, as like 2006, and from the the extra research that we did on this, it seems like this community has strengthened, expanded, and gotten more legitimate. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I'm sure with a lot of the rest of the world, it's like the awe and, and amazement of it, or the newness has worn off. But I was I was heartened to see that the people who do parkour are like, well, we don't really care if you like it or not. We're going to keep doing this, and and they've grown and and gotten better. Yeah, I think. W- most people that I know have the same reaction, though, when they see the parkour videos for the first time, which is, this is pretty cool. Oh, it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying, like, anybody's like, no, no, this no. sucks. It's, no, I it, like, the newness is worn off for the general public. Yeah, but people are generally knocked out uh, and then bored. <laughs> right, right. So, Chuck, yes. I think we should begin the begin, right? Great song. Uh, in 1902, on a little island in the Caribbean known as Martinique. You ever been there? No. Yeah, me neither. Don't you think I would tell you every couple of days, like, oh, I've been to Martinique? <laughs> yeah, you probably would. Uh, yeah, it's got a pretty interesting history, and some trace the birth of parkour back to then. Uh, a French naval officer named Lieutenant uh, George Herbert 
<laughs> I don't think that's how you say his name. <laughs> what would you say in French? Georges Hebert. Georges Hebert. Uh, he, uh, what happened was the volcano blew up in 1902 there, and he coordinated- In Martinique. Yeah, in Martinique. He coordinated the rescue of uh, locals and Europeans there, and had a chance to watch- People fleeing this <laughs> and saw a decided difference, I take it, between some of his European comrades and the uh, local Caribbeans. Well, people were like trying to get around obstacles, like, you know, chunks of flying rock that had landed yeah. right in front of them and running for their lives. Something about that scene struck Ebert like, wow, this is really amazing. Well, he saw a great deal of athleticism going on yeah. around him, and he said, you know what? You combine that with some courage and what you have is what we're going to call in America to be strong and useful. How would you say that in French, Josh? Strong and useful. <laughs> être fort pour être utile. That's nice. what I'm saying. And that's the basis of the natural method, right? Yeah, the natural method, um, which in French would be what? Method naturel? Sure. <laughs> and that inspired French military training. That became the basis for French military training. Apparently, they were the first people to use... Obstacle courses. Or? Or, <laughs> uh, what, the path of the warrior, parkour de combattant? Yeah. So you, you hear that word parkour with a C. I heard it. That's where it came from. Yeah. So, and this, basically this guy is like this French, um, physical fitness guru that you've never heard of, but really, uh, has inspired a lot of the probably cleaner cut quarters of France, right? Yes. Um, so that formed the, the part of the basis for the philosophy of what came to be known as parkour because it inspired this kid named, um, David Bell, right? Well, first it was his father, Raymond Bell, was a soldier in French special forces. Okay. He learned all this stuff, passed it on to his son, David, and said, it's pretty cool. Might want to learn this. Yeah. And, and we left out a very important point. Um, the natural method is basically like physical fitness uh-huh. is um, all you need is what you find in nature. So you want to do some chin-ups? Go find a tree branch, jerk. Yeah. You want to like work out your upper body? Push a huge rock up a hill. Yeah. Or, you know? or isometrics. You know, push against a wall. Right. And then the point of that, this is the other big point. The point of being physically fit is, like you said, so you can be useful to society. Yeah. In case of an emergency, mm-hmm. in case an old lady needs help. Like you can pick her up and carry her across the street with yeah. one hand, that kind of thing. There's something to be said for that. Okay, so uh, David Bell is 15 years old. It's 1988. He lives in uh, Lises, France, which is a suburb of Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and his dad's been like, check this dude out. And he is just inspired. Yeah. By not only Hebert, but also a guy named Bruce Lee. That's right. Bruce Lee's fluid movements. Um not not as rigid as a lot of martial artists were before him. No. It's about inspiring. adaptability, adapting to the situation. Yeah, sure. Somewhere in that, um, in in David Bell's brain, he put that together. He put Bruce Lee, Georgie Bear, mm-hmm. and a mailbox in front of him yeah. all together, <laughs> and decided to leap over it with his hands rather than walk around it. Boom! Parkour. That's parkour. He cha- He added a K instead of a C. Yep. Uh, got together with his best buddy, Sebastian Foucault, mm-hmm. and they established a group. Um, they were na- called themselves Tresseurs. Which, and, tre- uh, Tresseur means to leave a trail in French. Okay. Tresseur is slang in Paris for hurry. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Hurry up and make a trail. Yeah. That's what they're doing. 
So uh, they organized a group, the first group of parkour enthusiasts, basically, called the Yamakaze, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Yamazaki, which is Santori time. It's Japanese uh, single malt whiskey. Yeah, it's good stuff. So anyway. I had it in an Okonomiyaki station. Chances are if you type in Yamakaze on the internet, it'll bring up the other, Yamazaki, and you'll be buying liquor before you know it. And then you can watch some cool parkour videos while you imbibe. (laughs) That's right. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. Uh, Luc Besson, famous French filmmaker, uh, made a film called The Yamakaze. Um, definitely kicked up the um, awareness about what parkour was. Right. And prior to that, he included it in his um, film Taxi 2. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So that was the first time parkour was introduced to the general public in mass media. And because Luc Besson apparently was a huge uh, devotee very early on. So in two different movies in two successive years, mm-hmm. he made you know parkour part of the theme. Yeah. And if you recognize Bell's buddy's name, Sebastian Foucault, he was the dude who uh, was chased in Casino Royale, the yeah. opening awesome parkour chase. Yeah. That Daniel Craig uh, chases uh, this dude. Yeah, so it starts to kind of percolate into um, to the the public consciousness in the early two thousands, the late nineties. We should say by the late nineties, there was already a, a rift in the um, in the parkour community. Yeah, the communities like this always like to battle. Like, there's always purists, it seemed like, and then people who want to change it and take it into what they feel like is the next level. Right. Like skateboarding, same thing happened back in the seventies. So with parkour, the the point is, if you're a purist with parkour, mm-hmm. you don't you never move backwards. Everything is for utility, mm-hmm. and you get from point A to point B most as efficiently as possible, which often includes jumping over a mailbox. Yeah, the main rule, and this is what's cool in parkour, is that obstacles are used to increase your efficiency. Yeah, so it's not like 
This is something I got to go around. It's let me use this to vault forward faster and, and possibly gain some momentum. Maybe yeah. trade a little, uh, a little kinetic energy for a little potential energy. Yeah, and then turn that into more kinetic energy. Uh huh. And the the, the and then uh, drink a few Red Bulls. <laughs> well, Red Bull actually sponsored one of the yeah. uh, what was it called the the uh, Red Bull Art of Motion tournament. Yeah. It's a competition. Yeah, and we'll get into that in a minute because the purists don't like the competition aspect. Uh, but the motto of the WFPF, um, which is the World Free Running and Parkour Federation, uh, I think that was established in 07, it is no obstacle, no freedom, K-N-O-W for both. Get it? I do now. You I know, didn't until you, you told me about the K. You know your freedom. Um, cool. So that's So parkour, A to B, using obstacles, never going backwards. Free running, huge, huge difference. You can go backwards. Now, going backwards, does that mean like you uh, – I get the idea from parkour is that you, you're running toward the wall and you don't stop and go, all right, let me see. I should probably go like here, here. You just attack the wall, don't you? I think that's the case with both of them. Uh-huh. But really, honestly, one of the main differences is like free running allows for movement backward to continue going forward, where parkour is like, no, you have to keep going forward all the time. And free running also allows for movements that are purely aesthetic in nature, yes. right? And not necessarily just the efficiency of moving forward. Right. Those are the two differences between free running and um, parkour. And also if you known think as flair. If you think that's stupid, <laughs> well, um, the the reason behind it is that there was this, a, a rift or a separation in ideals between David Bell and his as the um, uh, the FP. Wait, what is it? WFP WFPF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As the WFPF puts it. Um, his then best friend, Sebastian Foucault. Yeah, they not, they fell out, I guess. I think they're still buddies, but basically Foucault's like, no, you can move backwards, and Bell's like, no, you can't. And they were like, well, it looks like we have a problem here. Uh, probably, and that's where free running came from. It split off from, uh, from parkour. I bet you there was a little bit of, uh, well, I founded it, and you were in Casino Royale. Well, that came after. So that split was uh, in the okay. late 90s. So that really cemented it then. Yeah. And then a lot of people are like, you know, Foucault is a big sellout. He's in ads. He, uh, he, he's just all flash and everything. Um, and that, that apparently that, um, argument doesn't hold much water because David Bell has been, has done quite a bit to bring, um, parkour into the, the public consciousness. Specifically, he introduced it to Britain in 2000, Two, I believe, right? With a BBC short? Yeah, Rush Hour. Um, did you see it? Huh. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's on, you know, he's sitting, in, it's very much like an ad. He's sitting in his apartment in his clothes, and then he gets up, you know, and takes his shirt off, of course, and strips down to the, like, the running pants, <laughs> and then just climbs out his window and takes off, and there's, you know, traffic going below, and he's zipping all over the place like a, you know, parkour expert. That he is, right. and then he eventually gets back in his apartment and sits back down on the couch and's like, "Yeah, I'm done." And so they showed that on BBC One, and everybody was like, "What was that? Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome!" And then they found out, "Well, wait a minute, the people actually do this. This guy is real." And that was the birth of parkour. I think a year later, um, Urban Free Flow, which is like the de facto British wing of um, parkour and free free running, mm-hmm. free running. For some reason, my brain just glitched, and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> well, um, and almost immediately, kids started getting hurt because yeah. they didn't, uh, I don't know if they didn't realize, but Bell had a decade of training of uh, learning this craft, 
Or creating it. Creating it. And then um, teenagers saw uh, Rush Hour and like, oh, let me go out and like, let me try to scale a wall. And there were a couple of deaths. Um, yeah. There was one recently, actually, in California, right? In, in uh, Sacramento in 2009, a yeah. kid was into parkour, and he died from falling off of an eight-story um, parking deck. Yeah, and this is, we should have front-loaded this, but this is where we say parkour is very, can be very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. It yeah, requires, I think it can be very dangerous even if you do know what well, you're yeah, doing. Yeah, it requires a high degree of skill with, like, gymnastics, possibly martial arts. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at Sebastian Foucault, the dude is ripped. Yeah. Like, he's he's probably going to be able to hang on to a ledge with one hand if he really needs to. I can't. Uh, the average 12-year-old doesn't have that kind yeah. of upper body strength. Exactly. But the average 12-year-old is the one who's, like, really fascinated with this. Yeah, and if you are fascinated, and um, there are a lot more, it's been legitimized to the extent that there are a lot more training facilities, indoor, padded things where you can practice this kind of thing so you don't just go out and hit the streets and start jumping off of buildings. That's right. We would not advise that. No. All right. So, Chuck, there's a, I think in um, the public imagination, there's a lot of comparisons with skateboarding, right? Well, there's kids like they're they're right there in front of the the courthouse, so and they're 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 skateboarding and they're not using a skateboard, but they like to be doing the same thing. Apparently, especially parkour purists mm-hmm. find this very um, very offensive. That's not offensive. I, I see a lot of similarities. I don't think it's offensive either. Using but buildings, you know, same deal. They're basically like, no, skateboarders are bad kids. We're good kids. Right. We're doing this so we can be useful to society when the time comes. Ah, yeah. skateboarders are great kids. Uh, agreed. And, Josh, like skateboarding in the 70s, um, once the popularity increased, it started to be thrown or prostituted, if you will, onto, like, ads and TV shows and corporate events. They listed that. I did not know corporate events hired parkour people. Corporate event. If you got enough money, you do everything. Okay. There's this great show of, of uh, Bruce Hornsby playing for the Fujitsu <laughs> Corporation's, like, Christmas party and it's awesome it's like an hour and a half long bruce hornsby show and he gets increasingly drunker <laughs> to where like he does a little ditty an improv ditty about his scotch really yeah it's really great it's really great if you can ever get your hands on that bootleg it's it's worth it well and then up in the air which i know you didn't care for but the when they had hired young mc yeah. for that one corporate event to perform that was pretty funny yeah. bust a move Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. 
That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. All right. Uh, yes, like skateboard. Um, also, like skateboarding, once competition started to be mentioned, um, Purist said, no, 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 no. It's not about competition. We compete all the time against each other on the streets, man. Yeah. But we don't need no medal. We don't need no judge. Word. <laughs> but, you know, like anything. Uh, Red Bull was like, oh, yeah, what about this stack of yeah. money? Red Bull and uh, Barclay, World Free Running Championships. MTV has a show now, of course, called Ultimate Parkour Challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, the purists still aren't too happy about most of that, to be honest. There's a lot of complaining going on on parkour boards. And here we are. Representing both coasts, east and west. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk about the moves. Let's do it. You want to talk about the cat leap first? Yeah, there's a few standard moves. So the cat leap is basically like, say you're, uh, close your eyes, unless you're driving right now. Uh, say you are on a the edge of one five-foot parking deck. Okay. Right? It's five feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. And then there's another, par- there's a gap five-foot gap okay. in between it and the, the edge of another parking deck, which is seven feet off the ground. Yeah, there's a wall in front of you. So let's say you are, um, you, you're you like, well, I think a cat leap would be best for this. What you do is you run off of the first parking deck, jump the gap, grab the ledge of the um, first, of the second parking mm-hmm. deck, and hit it with your feet. You just plant it right there on the wall. And basically you're just hanging off the side for a nanosecond before you you use the momentum to pull yourself up with your arms and jump the rest of the way onto the next parking deck. Yeah, very cat-like. It's used to get onto a higher object than you're currently on, and it's a good way. That's much much better put. Uh, the roll, very common. You've seen stunt guys do this forever. They jump off a building onto a lower building, and they always, you know, to absorb the shock on their legs, they tuck and roll. They, they absorb it in their shoulder instead. Exactly. Tuck and roll, cover the head, pop back up, and keep going, because it's all about forward movement with parkour. Yeah. Whereas I would jump off, I would land, probably break my ankle, vomit, and then like lay there <laughs> until somebody found me. <laughs> That's what Chuck would do. My favorite, as you know, is the Kong Vault. Well, the Kong Vault's the coolest. It's the coolest. It, it looks like what apes do in the jungle. Uh, you run up on, let's say, a wall, and you leap forward, and you push yourself off with your hands. Plan with your hands. And don't let your legs touch at all, and just follow on through, and there's double Kong rolls where you tap twice, there's triples. There's even... We saw a quadruple in a gym. So basically, when your hand is touching that wall, your your body is laid out behind you. It's like you're diving toward it, almost. Exactly. But you have like your two hands about just a little ahead of your shoulders. And then right when your hands touch, you bring your legs up basically through your chest yeah. and the wall. And then you, you just bound away. You vault away. Hence the name Kong Vault. Looks very animal-like. And one of the very cool. early practitioners said that he noticed that it's it's like witnessing an animal in the jungle. Very well, aggressive. That's one of the goals of parkour is that you can basically move as quickly and fluidly as an animal. Yeah. And instinctually, too, is what I understand. I will never know that no. sensation. No, no. But uh, it's it's what I understand is the goal. Uh, you got the precision jump, which is pretty easy. It's basically like a standing broad jump. You just jump from one place to another. Yeah, but that's if like I want to jump on that little two-foot section of wall. like You don't have the benefit of a roll because there's nothing else there. Yeah. 
and then, then the, the speed vault. Yeah, that's easy. That's basically I, I like could probably how, do that. how any kid has ever jumped like a chain link fence. You just put one hand down and throw your throw your feet the opposite side yeah. over. And uh, I guess with parkour, the, the difference is that you're doing this much more quickly. Yes, and you keep running. And uh, those are just a handful of moves. There are many, many more Jim uh, Cotta-like moves that you can do, like side wall runs and sliding and... Uh, people now are doing those little half flips, adding a little flair to it. I guess the free runners are pretty cool. So, Chuck, let's say that you are listening to this. You're like, I have tons of upper body strength. I'm 18 or older. Um, and I have no regard for my own well-being. Right, and I'm really interested in this. Where would one go to find out more about parkour or to learn parkour? Uh, you'd go to a jam. Well, that's one place. That's when they get together. <laughs> and hit the streets. But if you want to learn, like I said, you can go to the, there's gyms all over the country now. There are, there's academies where you can, sure, you can pay. If you go to parkour.com slash groups, you can look up basically people who are doing it in your area. Yeah. And that's probably one of the most recommended ones, if, especially if you don't have any cash to shell out, because you're going to learn in the context of other people who know parkour no yeah. more than you do. Sure. And, um, so you'll, you'll learn. You'll learn safety as well, but you'll be challenged too. Um, and then, yes, there's academies as well. There's videos everywhere. Everywhere. YouTube has um, at least six different channels, according to parkour.com, of just parkour videos. And um, basically, you want to wear a helmet at all times. You want to wear knee pads and one of those big uh, sumo guy suits. I don't see parkour people wearing any of that stuff. No. Well, I'm C-O-A, beginners. dude. Okay. C-O-A. Yeah, beginners, you should always do that. Oh, also, I should have probably mentioned at the beginning of this that by um, downloading this episode and pressing play, you immediately forfeited any rights to sue us <laughs> or any of our parent companies. Yeah, be careful out there. Yeah. I want to, I'm going to, you know what my, my goal in life should be? I want to do a successful Kong leap. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I want to do that, dude. I will watch you try. I'm fast. I will watch you try anytime. I'm a lot faster than you would think. Let's go right now. I get these little legs pumping, and I, I can uh, I get my upper body leaning in the right direction. Okay, and it's it's pretty funny. Emily I, always I will re- watch you. Emily remarks about my my cat like speed for a guy with a few extra pounds on him. Okay, I want to see this. I'm going to learn this. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna no, I want to watch you practice too. No, I don't no, want no, you to no, see no, the no. final result. I'm going to perfect it. I want to see <laughs> everything leading up to that. Now you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn it in secret. And then next time we're in New York, I'm just going to bust it out one day, and you're going to be like, holy crap, Chuck just did a Kong leap. That would be very surprising. I I look forward to that day. All right, me too. Uh, If you want to learn more about parkour, type in P-A-R-K-O-U-R. Now with the C, because then it wouldn't be down with the street. Into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, I said search bar. I didn't say handy. Um, Either way, it still brings up listener mail. That's right, Josh. Uh, we're going to call this, and the winner is, because you and I have to decide. You, did you get this from Matt from England, he and his wife, the twisted couple? This is I great. hate it when you put me on the spot like this. It's okay. I know you read it. Um, hey, guys. Flippin' great podcast. I love it. I'm a watch commander in the fire service here in Leeds, England, and my wife is an A&E nurse. Um, it's an entertainment nurse. I think that's emergency room in England, maybe. I'm guessing, because she sees some weird stuff. Uh, right now, we uh, have always tried to tirelessly one-up one another, 
at the end of each shift which uh, with the worst story of the day because they both see odd things. Odd and horrific. Uh, generally, we tie on things like car wrecks, uh, fires, uh, burn victims, suicides. And by the way, I'm acutely aware of how sick this is, but it's the spice that keeps our particular chili going. That's what he says. Wow. Uh, the only ones... He's talking shop about work. Sure. Basically. Uh, the ones we really compete with are the extra disgusting ones. So here's a conundrum. Um, on the last tour, I was sure I had a winner. We had to assist a morbidly obese gentleman from his house onto an ambulance gurney. Upon moving his portly frame, I felt something land on my leg. I couldn't initially... <laughs> Jerry's getting grossed out already. <laughs> I couldn't initially see what it was because my hands and face were pressed firmly into the mushy flesh at the time. <laughs> But I could hear the intakes of breath and gipping noises from the firefighters on my shift. I don't even know what a gipping noise is. On inspection, it turned out that nine inches of this man's intestines were draped over my wet legs. Stuck for what to do in such an instance, should I push it back in, carry it with me, tuck it into his pocket? I opted to shuffle with him to his am- uh, to the ambulance and oh then goodness. gently peel it free from my leg and set it beside him making sure to break with the awkward silence with, here you go, mate. You better take this with you. (laughs) Regardless of this uh, incident, I was sure I had my wife beat, and then she hits me with this. A guy walked into her triage department, pulled his pants down, and had the tail of a fish sticking out of his rear end. Evidently, it had been frozen and then thawed out. I get the feeling this is one of those, Doc, it was a million to one chance type of things. And uh, when it thawed out, the bones splayed out, and it became stuck inside of his butt. Uh, so, boys, I need your help. Which one wins? Which is worse? <clears throat> Chuck, this is much like comparing apples to oranges. Um, in some ways, they're similar. They're both roundish. They're both fruits. But then they have many distinctions. The apple's skin is smooth. The oranges is uh, speckled. Mm-hmm. Um, the orange is orange colored. The apple is generally red, although it can be yellowish or green. Yeah. You never see an orange apple, I guess is my point. I'm going to say that um, while they're both extremely interesting, both entirely gruesome, the fish story yes. is far too comical to win this one, in my opinion. I think Agreed. the man's at- intestines coming out and having to be put back in by hand with a gentle, here you go, mate, yeah, is by far the winner. I agree. I, I feel like Judge John Hodgman all of a sudden, yeah. we render our verdict, and uh, we're going with you, Matt. You are the winner. Matt in Leeds, England, congratulations for enduring the uh, intestine on your leg. Yes, definitely. And he said anytime if we want to, if we're ever in Leeds... He will let us ride on the fire truck. Awesome. So, I would take him up on that. I would too. Um, uh, yeah, so we really should have put that one after the decapitation podcast, if you ask me. Yeah. Well, it, it would have been fitting. <laughs> Either way, um, if you ever accidentally stumbled upon something, say, in your attic or at a yard sale that turned out to be extremely valuable, we love those stories and want to hear them. Send them to us. Uh, you can post them on Facebook, facebook.com slash stuff you should know, Twitter, right? Uh, SYSK podcast, or email it to us, stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. 
more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island. It becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.